0: This podcast is brought to you by the new Blessings of the Faith series from PR Publishing. Available September 22nd. Visit prpbooks.com and hear more at the conclusion of today's program.
1: This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an
2: eternal truth. I would hope that Christian leaders today would sense how reliant biblical authors are on the scriptures, and that they're a model for us and what we should do.
1: Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I am Jonathan Master, joined as always by James Dalzell. James, take it away. For
3: listeners, this is the second of two-part discussion with Gary Snicker about his book, Old Testament Use of Old Testament. So if you're listening to this episode and you haven't listened to part one, stop now, go back and find part one, listen to that, because that really sets uh, the groundwork for the continuation of our discussion with Dr. Snicker uh, about this very important book. He is Treating the question of how the Old Testament authors themselves uh, appropriated and exegeted Old Testament texts, uh, and in this episode, we just can continue to um, pursue this theme with Dr. Snicker. So we're we're glad to have
1: him on the show for the second time. Gary, I, I have I, I want to um, get a little more pointed in terms of the use of this kind of thing. In my mind, and I think in James's mind as well, your discussions have already demonstrated why this is a useful volume for pastors and why this this kind of study is useful for, for ministers of the gospel. But maybe let's deal with it a little more abstractly. Why is it that you think pastors need to get into this kind of study? I mean, you've given a bunch of concrete examples, and I think those those are maybe the best case that could be made. But if we think about it in terms of making the case to pastors or making the case to students of the Bible, why would we say to them, look, it is is worth it for you to dive in and look at some of these connections that were being made from one text of the Old Testament to another text?
2: One thing that we do really well is we get the problem that Paul talked about in Romans. And so we're really good at Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Really, really good at it. But many Christians jump from there to the New Testament. And really, the rest of the Old Testament is interesting or it's boring, but it's um, not essential. Um, and that's part of the tragic issue because the Lord wasn't just messing around with Israel and with the law and with the covenants. There's no such thing as the gospel, the Messiah. Christianity, without um, the Hebrew Scriptures. Of course, all those things, the Messiah, the gospel, Christianity, uh, our Lord didn't need uh, the New Testament to do that. None of the apostles that wrote the New Testament needed a New Testament. I mean, in other words, to have a Christianity that's not deformed and truncated means we need to have Um, a deeper investment in the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, One concrete example, we're really struggling with some social issues in our current day. There's hard questions. And a lot of times people are embarrassed. Christians are embarrassed by the Old Testament and ashamed of it. They say, oh yeah, uh, the God of the Old Testament might be a racist, but Jesus is really cool. You'll love him. So we just kind of think that that's the easy way out. But that sort of—that's not a Christian view, and it's also not even true. Um, this a, a more sensitive reading of the Hebrew Scriptures shows that again, these texts that we've just been talking about about um, how to handle uh, devoting the nations of Canaan and so forth. These are not racist texts. These are about um, the high cost of not falling to temptation to following the lord's will and so what we wind up doing as ministers of the word when we ignore the old testament at this deeper level is we're not helping our congregants because we're not giving a biblical answer to the issues that face us we're we're kind of giving these cheap answers that didn't work yesterday to some serious problems of today Um, we need to stop that we need to um, be willing to get our hands dirty not be embarrassed by the Bible, and begin to do the work that is required to show what sort of God it is we worship, what Christianity is all about. Um, None of Jesus's sermons or Paul's teachings or any of his associates, they didn't seem to be very inhibited by being stuck with the Old Testament.
1: So then how would it work, um, or how would you envision it working? A pastor is is. Preaching through an Old Testament text, or perhaps preaching through a New Testament text that alludes to or, or quotes from an Old Testament text, because this is a reference book. It's you're not probably not going to read it from page one all the way to the end in succession. You're, you're going to then go to Jeremiah, the Jeremiah section, look at the particular text in question, and then and then as it were work backwards from there. Is that how you envision a pastor using this effectively?
2: I would like to imagine that before the next minister uh, decides to do a um, series on Ruth, they might read the whole chapter on Ruth in a book like this and think with the author, or if they're doing a series on Jeremiah, read the whole chapter um, in in this book, not just pick, you know, this Mm -hmm. entry Mm -hmm. because the the whole point of um, sort of getting our hands dirty at this level is to think with the biblical authors, to learn the biblical author's tendencies. What are their go-to texts? What are the things that bother them? And it's when we can start to sort of appreciate and sense what is really bothering Jeremiah or the author of Ruth. That can help us to move away from sort of these um, lightweight, fluffy sermons that aren't really helping um, to get at the uh, debilitating problems that are impairing people from serving the Lord today.
1: Right. And that goes back then to your earlier comment about the fact that as you went through this, uh, systematically, you started to see that different authors had different concerns and had different favorite texts and different serious questions that were on their minds. And it's, we, we know all of this is under the inspiration of God's spirit, but, but nonetheless, there are these, these tendencies that, that, Show, show something of their circumstances. That's helpful. So read those chapters first. And then also there are individual texts that you pull apart and develop
2: in some detail. Yeah, this is not competing with commentaries or historical context or literary context. This is an area that's not received adequate attention in its own right. And it's a shame that it hasn't because nothing was more important to the biblical authors than their scriptures. And this isn't true of just the New Testament authors. This is true of biblical authors. I mean, they were, there's a canonical consciousness and it emerges. I mean, we don't want to put a full blown canon um, back into the Old Testament or anything like this, or into the New Testament for that matter. But we want to see that there's this valuing of the scriptures. We think about Deuteronomy, for example. In um, Deuteronomy, it calls families to study in Deuteronomy 6. Uh, It it says, when your children ask you, then tell them the story. Uh, This is Deuteronomy 6. Um, The prophets need to teach in accord with Torah, Deuteronomy 13. Kings, civil leaders need to study the Torah daily. Um, When they had ceremonies, Deuteronomy 27, they were to have monuments inscribing scripture upon them. Um, They were to Deuteronomy 31. They were to have assemblies and read Torah at regular intervals. We have Torah, Moses leaves it behind as a written testimony to the people. And there's um, uh, this sort of repetition um, of Torah. It's at every level of society in Deuteronomy. It's pervasive. And that's what Deuteronomy is. as a reinterpretation of the Torah before it. So Deuteronomy is modeling what it calls for. It's calling for this, uh, it's not memorize your favorite verse and move on, or something like we sometimes do, but it's recognizing that people at every part of society need the scriptures and need constant study of the scriptures. The scriptures are a gift from God, and I would hope that um, Christian leaders today would begin to sense how reliant biblical authors are on the scriptures, and that you know they're a model for us and what we. We should do as well,
3: Gary. One final question, because I know we've we're in the second of two parts uh, discussing this with you, and I had I should have put this in a bit earlier, uh, but it is it is just with respect to um, the way in which your volume grades the Old Testament use of the Old, and I again I know that you spent a lot of time kind of developing this. And you expect that you'll probably get some blowback from certain scholars, but I, I want to leave that aside and just say, for the reader, you have a kind of academic grade, an A through D, uh, so to speak, in terms of how the Old Testament uses the Old, um, because it's not all uniform; it's not all homogenous in terms of in terms of how thick, uh, so to speak, and how textured the appropriation of one text is uh, by an author. Um, and so, how, if you could just briefly outline how do you how do you grade that? There are certain ones that are just unambiguous, um, but then there are some which are uh, maybe um, possible but less probable. Um, how, what should the reader expect uh, as he goes into reading your
2: text? Yeah, I'm, I am not grading uh, the Old Testament authors. Right, okay, uh, that may have yeah. sounded wrong. Yeah, yeah thank that, you for the clarification. i be certain about that. Um, Amos think, gets a C or something like that. Yeah, I understand. Right. No, um, what I'm responding to, um, James, is, you know, there's a lot of these one-off volumes out there on like Amos's view of scripture, Joel's view of scripture, whatever. And you read that and it's flat. I mean, they all sound the same. I wanted to grade um, what's going on to help readers to have more a sense of confidence of this really is an illusion. This is probably illusion. This might be an illusion. And it doesn't matter what anybody says. This one's probably not an illusion. (laughs) So that's what the grades really are. And I I tried to point out it several times in this um, book. I mean, I'm surprised Zondervan let me do this. I really honestly am. But every chapter ends with filters. That's the F. Um, Every text that's in the filters, they are just as important as all the texts that are exegetical. Um, And I tried to say several times in this book that the texts and the filters Those show continuity um, because they're not doing exegesis; They're not interpreting. It's just flat continuity. Those parallels are really pointing to a a deep, um, I guess, shared outlook without tweaks. I mean, so that's what the grading is. Um, But it's a bit involved. And so the reason I did the grading, James, I wanted to both give student readers a sense of greater confidence Loss confidence, But I, I I also, so I wanted to be transparent. But the other thing I wanted to um, do is kind of help people think through that whole thing. So for example, the Psalms are an entirely different situation than the narratives, or than a um, prose discourse. And because poetry is such an elevated um, way of communicating. And so we need to have different expectations for allusions when we come to the Psalms than we do uh, to a prose discourse. So anyway, that's that's the sort of thing that makes it um, both, I hope, helpful to students uh, and to ministers to kind of get a sense of where things are more subtle or where they're more blatant. And I also hope that, um, you know, readers should feel welcome to disagree Um, But I I would hope that readers disagree based on evidence. And so we would love to, you know, anybody should wrestle with these things based on evidence. I give it a B, a reader might want to give it an A or a C, that's fine. But if we're talking about evidence, then we're kind of beginning to have to put our stock in um, our studies. Gary, we're out of time, even in this
1: second episode, but we are, um, I know I speak for James in saying we're really grateful for you as a friend uh more than anything and then also uh, just your work here which we have benefited from and which we think our students will benefit from i'm going to use this book uh i've required it of all my students already and so uh thank you for that thank you for giving us two episodes worth of your time <laughs> and um for just the the rich clarity of your answers. so thanks so much
2: thanks for having me on i appreciate the um some of the pushback and probing questions and not let me just give you cliche answers, but it, it, it's a, it's a pleasure. Um, I, I really am, am grateful for a Christian leaders to really be thinking about uh, the old Testament in a way that it is it's Christian scripture. And so to begin to think about it in those constructive terms,
1: James, we've uh, talked a lot about this book, off the air uh, with Gary and, and just between the two of us, we've seen versions of this, uh, of the work here. And so uh, between the two of us, we've had a lot of these conversations, but I do want to emphasize again that we're very genuine. I'm very genuine. I know you're very genuine in, in our interest in the book and, and, our, and our assessment of its value. I mean, this really is, it's very rare to find a new book that you think is going to be a standard reference our effusiveness
3: is not uh, merely because gary's a good friend um it's because the work is really uh in the modern literature without parallel um i'm not sure you know there are he's right the 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 new testament use of the old that literature is, is quite voluminous and helpful Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's really nothing quite like what he's doing. A couple of years ago, when he presented this in a faculty meeting uh, where we were all there together, I sat there kind of slack-jawed uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, thinking, why hasn't someone done this already? And then secondly, thinking of just about the years that it took Gary to do this. This is not the kind of book where you sit down and you say, you know, in 24 months, I think I can whip something together for a publisher. I talked to him one time, and he 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 basically said that this book is uh, is the culmination of the last twenty years of mm-hmm. his career, uh, the kind of book that he couldn't have written uh, as a younger man. And, and the evidence of that is just right when you receive the book and open the first pages, you can see that you're holding something of of great learning and of enduring value, and really without parallel. And I I can imagine this for the next. 30 or 40 years being one of those books that is going to be in every institutional library, every pastor's library, church libraries. um, And it's not going to sit there gathering dust. This is going to be the kind of thing that is in arm's reach on the desk, truly a desk reference um, kind of book uh, for anyone preaching or studying the Old Testament.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've, I've known Gary for over 20 years and, and, and it's true. I mean, this is the kind of thing he's been talking about for a long time, but it's it's the culmination of years of scholarly work. And I agree with you. It's, it's going to be if, if you're doing serious exegetical work, which pastors should be. And I think that's one of the subtexts to me of this whole discussion with Gary. We need to be Bible people. And if you're doing that, and and you ought to be, this is going to be next to your your BDAG, your Brown Driver Briggs. I mean, your 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 Greek lexicon, your Hebrew lexicon. It's 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 going to be a reference book that you will you will use. And I and I agree with him too. Reading the chapters in preparation to study a book is valuable, and then you can go back and see the specific work he does on individual texts. It really is. It really is something. You're exegeting a portion of scripture that is itself
3: an exegesis uh, and in many so cases, right. Just to come at it with that awareness and to have some guidelines to kind of sort that out, even, even before you get underway exegeting and expositing uh, for your congregation uh, is, is going to be just invaluable, I think.
1: Well, I agree. We could go on and on. And, you know, especially when we were talking with Gary, I thought we there were a couple passages I just wanted to ask him about, but I knew we didn't have the time. But uh, for those of you who are listening, who are interested in entering to win a copy of this book, we offered this at the end of our first episode and we offer it again. Now you can give us your information on the Place for Truth uh, website and then go to the Theology on the Go link. There's a place for you to enter and Potentially win the copy that we have from Zondervan of a, a book by book guide, Old Testament use of Old Testament. We thank all of you for listening to both of these episodes, but particularly our episode today. We love hearing from you with your questions and comments, so feel free to send those in. If you think there is someone else in your life who might benefit from this, please pass it along. If you're using Apple, podcasts, and you can rate and review uh, this podcast that helps us get out the word. So please do that. And again, thank you for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal
0: truth. September twenty-second. discover the exciting new Blessings of the Faith series from P&R Publishing, featuring Jason Halopoulos on Covenantal Baptism, David Strain on Expository Preaching, and Guy Richard on Persistent Prayer. Three of the most trusted and distinguished voices of the faith answer your questions about these important Reformed Church practices in a way that every layperson will understand. The new Blessings of the Faith series will be available September 22nd from PNR Publishing, bringing you books that promote biblical understanding and godly living, as summarized in the Westminster Confession of Faith and Catechisms. Visit prpbooks.com to learn more. prpbooks.com